ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Really the praise belongs to Allah We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves And the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger we'd like to continue bismillah ta'ala after a long vacation of more than one month perhaps about six weeks now with the explanation of Lum'at al-Iqad al-Hadi ila sabil al-Rashad للإمام أبو محمد عبد الله بن أحمد ابن محمد بن قدامة رحمه الله. In the last session we discussed some points in which الإمام ابن قدامة رحمه الله talked about the issue of تكفير or declaring a Muslim to be a disbeliever due to the commission of sins. And also the rights of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and the ruling concerning those who curse them or speak evil against them and the rights of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ as well as those who make false accusations against the mothers of the believers, that is the wives of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And finally, the mention of Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him. And what is the position of Muslims? concerning him. Just in brief, to review those points, Imam Ibn Qudama mentions that we do not declare any one of the people, Ahlu Qibla, any one of the Muslims, we don't declare any one of the Muslims to be a disbeliever or to be outside of Islam due to any sin, nor do we consider someone out of Islam due to any action that they may have done. And we talked about this issue in detail. It's a very important issue, the issue of takfir, uh, and what a Muslim should be cautioned from concerning declaring or considering another Muslim to be a disbeliever. No matter what may be the sins that they committed, except in those things that have been outlined by the Muslim scholars as being Nawaqid of Islam, those things which nullify a person's Islam, which actually take a person out of Islam. And those nullifiers of Islam, we have discussed in some detail individually in another series of lectures. In any case, in general, the rule of Ahl Sunnah wa Jama'ah is that even if a person drinks alcohol or commits fornication or commits any other major sin, whether once or numerous times, we shouldn't declare that person to be a disbeliever due to the commission of sins, major or minor. Though the commission of sins is serious, and especially the major sins, 
Nonetheless, it doesn't take a person out of Islam. But we say that a person who does such things, that he is a sinner. He's a sinner, a disobedient person, and so on. Next, Imam Ibn Qadamah says that the Ahl Sunnah consider that the position of Hajj and Al Jihad, fighting in the cause of Allah, are continuous standing injunctions along with obedience to every Imam or every leader of the Muslims, whether he's righteous or unrighteous, and also the permissibility of the Salat, Salat al Jum'ah, the congregational weekly prayer, the performance of Salat al Jum'ah behind the Imam, the leader of the Muslims, whether he's righteous or unrighteous, is permissible. And the expression of Imam Ibn Qudama is similar to the expression of many of the Imams of the Muslims in which he used the word Ja'izah, that Salat al-Jumu'ati Khalfahum Ja'izah, it means that it's permissible. And the, perhaps the reason for this is because if the Imam of the Muslims is unrighteous and there would be no harm or trouble caused by praying behind another Imam who is righteous, then it is better to pray behind the righteous person, the person who is obedient to Allah and adhering to the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, rather than to pray behind the Imam who is unrighteous, wicked, or of the people of innovation, bid'ah. But if it would lead to fitna or trouble or confusion amongst the Muslims to avoid praying behind that Imam who is unrighteous, then it's permissible to pray behind the unrighteous Imam. If the person has been appointed or elected as the leader of the Muslims or appointed by the leader of the Muslims, even if they are unrighteous, it's permissible to pray behind them Salat al-Jum'ah. Then he mentioned the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu that's recorded in the Sunnah of Abu Dawood concerning the three things which are the foundations of Iman, that is, restraining oneself from causing harm to the person who says, La ilaha illallah, that we shouldn't declare anyone due to a sin to be a kafir nor uh, consider them to be out of Islam due to any deed that they have done. Also, that jihad, the hadith mentions that jihad is something that is continuous uh, from the time that the Prophet was missioned until the last of his ummah will fight against the jah, that is, until the last days. Because the coming of the jah is one of the signs, the major signs of the hour of resurrection. Then he said, لا يبطله جور جائر ولا عدل عادل يعني that these things, uh, the fighting in jihad and the hajj behind the imam, whether he is righteous or otherwise, it is not cancelled due to the fact that the leader is an oppressor. Yani whether the leader is an oppressor or he is a righteous person, a just person, it is standing yani to fight in jihad behind the Muslim leader and to make hajj and so on. <coughs> and the third thing he said of the fundamentals of Iman is believing in Al-Qadr, Al-Aqdar or Qadr al-Qadr, the divine decree and its execution by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> The next point, Imam Ibn Qudayla mentioned, point number 86, that it is from the Sunnah to uh, have allegiance, friendship, and loyalty to the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, to love them and to always mention them in the best way, to ask for mercy upon them and forgiveness for them, and to refrain from mentioning their shortcomings. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ, we should refrain from mentioning their shortcomings or whatever disagreements took place between them. Uh, and also to believe that they are superior 
and they have precedence over all who came after them of the following generations up until our time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned concerning this Surah Al-Hashr chapter 59 verse 10 وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعَدِهِمْ يعني that those who came after them, after the companions of the Prophet, after the Sahaba that means all generations who came after them يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا غُفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَ بِالْإِيمَانِ Oh Allah have mercy or forgiveness, oh Allah forgive them uh, forgive us and our brothers, those who preceded us in Iman, meaning the Sahaba, and then those who came after them. وَلَا تَجْعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلًّا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And don't place any, <coughs> any uh, <coughs> bad feelings in our hearts for those who believe. Uh, then the Shaykh talked about the rights of the companions of the Prophet Wasallam. And as, the, as an Imam Ibn Qudama mentions in the text of the book that we should love them and respect them and only speak well about them and avoid and avoid any, any mention of their shortcomings or their faults or whatever. Uh, then he mentions uh, in point number 87 the saying of the Prophet لا تسب أصحابي فإن أحدكم لو أنفق مثل أحد ذهبا ما بلغ مد أحدهم ولا نصيفه أو لا نصيفه that you shouldn't speak abusively about my companions the Sahaba رضي الله عنهم أجمعين for verily one of you if he spends even that which is equal to the mountain of Uhud in gold it wouldn't be equal with in front of Allah it wouldn't be equal to the, that which is given by one of, the, one of his companions or even half of it, yani a handful or a mud actually uh, is yani like cupping two hands together what may be held in two hands if you cup together that if somebody gave gold in charity equal to the mountain of Uhud it wouldn't be equal to a handful of that which is given in charity or even a half of it by, his, by the companions of the Prophet uh, then he discussed in some detail يعني, the ruling concerning uh, speaking evil against the companions, cursing them, or speaking evil against them, and يعني, how the scholars divided those who spoke against them. In some cases, it may be an act of disbelief. Uh, and in some cases, it may be less than that. And finally, the last point he says that also it is from the Sunnah to be pleased with the wives of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi the mothers of the believers, uh, who are pure and free from every kind of evil, and that the best of them is Khadija bin Khuwaylid radiallahu anha, and Aisha as-Siddiqa bin as-Siddiq, the daughter of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anha, who Allah cleared in his book concerning the false accusations that were made against her. She is the wife of the Prophet in this world and in the next life. And whoever speaks ill against her in reference to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cleared her of, then this is an act of kufr. And the people who made the false accusations against Aisha radiallahu anha before Quran was revealed in reference to that, it was a sinful thing. But once the revelation came, against doing such a thing, whoever repeats such accusations of immorality 
then it, it, it now became an act of kufr and it is an act of disbelief for someone to speak ill or to make false accusations against the wives of the Prophet وسلم, as do some very very evil and deviant people from amongst the Rafidah Shia then the Shaykh talked about the wives the, the rights of the wives of the Prophet and he mentioned them and something brief concerning each of them and the issue of slandering or speaking ill against Aisha radiallahu anha and finally he mentioned in point number 89 Muawiyah Khal al-Mu'mineen the uncle of the believers يعني, the brother of the Um Habiba one of the wives of the Prophet and he said that he was one of the reporters or the recorders one of the recorders of the revelation of Allah and also one of the Khalifas of the Muslims radiallahu anhu may Allah be pleased with him and also some of the people who claim to have loved for Ali they claim to have love for Ali radiallahu anhu and the Ahl Bayt or the family of the Prophet and they expressed hatred for Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan radiallahu anhu and the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that Muawiyah he is one of the great companions of the Prophet who has many virtues and if only one of them would be sufficient for him if we only mention that he was one of those who reported the revelation, the Qur'an, as it was being revealed. This is what we covered in the last lecture. And here, Imam Ibn Qudama, rahimahullah, begins to discuss the issue of Khilafah, the rulership or authority in the Muslim Ummah. And what is the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning Khilafah, obedience, to the Khalifa, the ruler and the prohibition of rebelling against him or fighting against him and dividing the Muslims and this is an issue that the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah identified as a chapter related to the I'tiqad in Al-Imamah means that it is a matter of creed, a matter of belief how we understand and how we act in reference to the leaders of the Muslims is not just a matter of Islamic law, jurisprudence or fiqh but in fact it is a matter of belief because the Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah differ in their approach and their understanding of the obligations of the people towards the Muslim leaders the Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah differ from the people who deviated the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila and even many of the Ash'ariyah who considered rebellion against the Muslim ruler lawful if he was unrighteous or sinful or if corruption was spreading in the land under his rulership then they considered this as a license to rebel against the ruler to fight against him and to remove him this position of opposing or rebelling against the ruler due to his sins or corruption spreading in the land under his authority it is the position of the people who deviated from the sunnah is the position of the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila and many of the Ashariya but the position of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah as recorded in the books of Aqidah in the books of Creed of all of the Muslim scholars here Imam uh, Ibn talks about it and we discussed it previously in Usul Sunnah by Imam Ahmed and we discussed it in Al-Aqidah Tahawiyya by Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah uh, and we'll discuss it briefly tonight to further clarify what is the real position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah especially in light of the fact that in 
most of the Muslim lands. Corruption is widespread. And many of the Muslim rulers, many of them may be classified as being unrighteous. Some of them worse than others. But as long as they are Muslims, regardless of their sins or what corruption is allowed under their authority, the proper position of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah is obedience to the ruler, as long as he doesn't order the people to do something in disobedience to Allah. Al Imam Al Khudam says here in point number 90, وَمِنَ السُنَّةِ And it is from the Sunnah. And here, the word Sunnah, it doesn't simply mean Sunnah as opposed to Wajib or Fard. Sunnah meaning something that's good to do, recommended or commendable or voluntary. But here, مِنَ السُنَّةِ it means it is from the tariqah, the way of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And also the word sunnah is used by many of the scholars, as I just mentioned, Usul al-Sunnah by Imam Ahmed. It is not a book dealing with the sunnah practices, but it is a book dealing with Islamic beliefs, al-aqidah. So sunnah also means the aqidah. So of the foundations of Islam, of the foundations of, of the Islamic principles, the Islamic beliefs in the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, وَمِنَ السُنَّةِ أَسْتَمْعُوا وَالطَّاعَةُ لِأَئِمَّةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَأُمَرَاءِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بَرِّهِمْ وَفَاجِرِهِمْ مَا لَمْ يَأْمُرُوا بِمَعْسِيَةِ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا طَاعَةَ لِأَحَدٍ فِي مَعْسِيَةِ اللَّهِ That it is from the Sunnah, from the foundations of the Deen of Islam, hearing السَّمْعُ وَالطَّاعَةُ Hearing and obeying the Imams of the Muslims, the leaders of the Muslims, وَأُمَرَاءِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ and those who are having authority, who have the authority over the believers, whether the religious leaders, the imams, or the political leaders, the emirs, the umara, it is from the sunnah to hear and obey the leaders and the rulers of the Muslims, barrihim wa fajrihim, whether they are righteous or unrighteous. And that is with the condition, as Ayn al Qudama and most of the scholars said based on the hadith of the Prophet which clearly states this principle, as long as they don't command the people with disobedience to Allah. And as long as the leader doesn't command the people to do something in disobedience to Allah, then we must hear and obey. So verily, there is no obedience to anyone, to any created being, or any creature, or anyone at all, if it involves disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first point and the first principle is obedience to the rulers, to the Muslim leaders, whether the religious leaders, the, the Muslim scholars, or the political leaders, those who have authority over the state and the affairs of the Muslims. And point number 91, وَمَنْ الْخِلَافَةِ وَاجْتَمَعَ عَلَيْهِ النَّاسِ وَرَضُوا بِهِ أو غلبهم بسيفه حتى صار الخليفة وسمي أمير المؤمنين وجبت طاعته وحرمت مخالفته والخروج عليه وشق عصا المسلمين That whoever has been given the authority the خلافة the rulership the position of rulership over the Muslims واجتمع عليه الناس and the people have united in agreement to that person as the Khalifa or the ruler of the Muslims and they are pleased with him whoever is the Khalifa of the Muslims due to the agreement of the people and being pleased with him or that one who overcame them by his sword, by force and he took the authority not being elected, selected 
or chosen by the people, but who came into authority by force, by using strength, by using armies. Even that one, if he came into authority by force, then he became the Khalifa. Hatta Sar al Khalifa, he became recognized as the Khalifa, was Summiya Amir al-Mu'mineen, and he is called or referred to as the leader of the believers. No matter how he came, whether by election or by force, then it is obligatory to obey him, and it is haram, forbidden to oppose him or to rebel against him, thereby leading to the division of the Muslims. This is sufficient for us to discuss tonight because of the importance of this issue and the confusion amongst the Muslims today in many of the Muslim lands, not to mention in the non-Muslim lands, concerning what is the proper position of the Muslims about the authority, the rulers, or the religious or political rulers in the Muslim lands and whether they are righteous or unrighteous and so on. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him. And by the way, uh, Alhamdulillah, during the days that I was away, I met the Sheikh on two occasions as he came, returned from his uh, trip to America for medical treatment. And Alhamdulillah, uh, he came to visit the masjid where we were having a training course and he gave a lecture there and later on at Mu'assasat Al-Haramain in Riyadh, he also visited one day while I was there uh, and he gave a lecture there and after his lecture amongst the questions that was asked, they asked about his health and he said Alhamdulillah that the doctors uh, assured him that his health was good and that it, there wasn't any major concern and inshallah يعني, there's nothing for us to worry about. Many of the people when they heard that he had traveled to America for some يعني, medical treatment, they were very concerned about his health and many rumors were spread and alhamdulillah, يعني, he's in good health uh, he looks very strong and if you hear him speak there doesn't seem to be any weakness whatsoever in his voice just as he was يعني, previously Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, Hafizahullah mentions an explanation of these two points number one, that the khilafah the position of authority or rulership over the Muslims is a very high position and it is a great responsibility it is a great responsibility it means that someone has taken charge to direct the affairs of the Muslims such that he is the first one responsible the primary person responsible for the affairs of the Muslims this is the position of Khilafah the one who is the number one authority in amongst the Muslims and here the Shaykh says that the existence of Khilafah it is fard kifaya yani it is an obligatory matter that has to exist amongst the Muslims there has to be a leader of the Muslims it, it's not allowed that there be a time when the Muslims don't have a leader there should always be an authority amongst the Muslims it is fard kifaya as long as there is someone amongst the Muslims as the leader or ruler of the Muslims then other people are free of responsibility this is because the people's affairs cannot be directed except that they be a ruler and a leader and this position of Khilafah it is attained or achieved in one of three ways the Khilafah may be achieved in one of three ways the first of them is and nas alayhi min al-khalifa al-sabiq 
that the previous Khalifa, that he actually appoints someone specifically to take the leadership after him. This is the first way that someone may become the Khalifa of the Muslims, that the previous Khalifa actually mentions him by name and appoints him before his death. And this is what happened in the case of the Khilafah of Umar ibn Khattab anhu. He was appointed specifically by name by Abu Bakr al-Siddiq anhu. The second way that one may become the Khalifa of the Muslims is by Ijtima' Ahl al-Hal wal-Aqd. That is, that the people, the responsible people and the influential people, the people who have power and authority in the community, in the Muslim community, that those people come together, that they meet and they decide on who should be the Khalifa, the next Khalifa. Yani the influential and the people in authority in the Muslim Ummah, that those people come together and they appoint someone to be either from amongst them or from outside of their group to be the Khalifa. And that group, the Ahlul Hal wal they might be specifically appointed by the previous Khalifa or they might not have been identified by the previous Khalifa. And is a group of influential or powerful people who may select the Khalifa if no Khalifa has been appointed. Those people may have been identified by the previous Khalifa before he died that these five or six or seven or ten people, they should meet together and decide who should be the next Khalifa. Or, if that doesn't happen, then the influential and people of authority amongst the Muslims after the death of the Khalifa will come together and they will decide even though they haven't been specifically mentioned or identified by the previous Khalifa. Uh, this first way that the group of people, influential people, are appointed or identified by the previous Khalifa is the way that Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu was appointed the Khalifa. Yani Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he is the one who appointed the council Ashab al-Shura, he appointed them, identified them during his lifetime, that these people should come together after his death, and they should select one from amongst themselves to be the Khalifa. And that's what happened, and they selected Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. Uh, <coughs> the other way is that a group of the influential people may not be identified by the previous ruler, but they will come together amongst themselves and they will select or elect someone to be the Khalifa. And according to some of the scholars, this is the way that Abu Bakr Siddiq was appointed. And he was not specifically mentioned or identified to be the Khalifa by the Prophet but the people of influence and authority from amongst the Muslims, from the Ansar and the Muhajireen, they came together and they selected Abu Bakr Siddiq. According to some of the scholars, this is the way he was elected. And if not, then for sure, this was the way that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu was elected as the Khalifa because Uthman ibn Affan didn't appoint him nor did he appoint a group of people to select the Khalifa but he was killed and after his death the influential people from amongst the Muslims came together and they elected and selected Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. So these are the first two ways that the previous Khalifa he appoints someone by name or a group of influential people from amongst the Muslims who have been identified by the previous Khalifa or who have not been identified, those people will come together, they will form a group and they will select the Khalifa. These are the first two ways. And the third way is the way that perhaps some people may have some problem with, but it happened in the time of Sahaba and it is confirmed by the scholars of the Muslim Ummah that it is uh, one of the ways that a person may become the Khalifa and it is by Al-Ghalaba, 
that someone overcomes the people by force and takes the authority of, he takes the authority and the rulership of the Muslims and this is what happened in the case of the Khilafah of Abdul Malik Ibn Marwan one of the Umawi Khalifas who actually was selected by some of the people to be the Khalifa in some parts of the Muslim lands in Asham and few other places but most of the Muslim lands at that time was under the authority of Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair radiallahu anhu may Allah be pleased with him and his father Az-Zubair one of the ten people from his paradise Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair was in Mecca and he was fought against as the armies of Iraq came into Mecca in the Hijaz and his armies were defeated and he was killed Abdullah ibn Az-Zubair was killed and by force by force Abdul Malik ibn Marwan took the authority of Khilafah and many of the Sahaba were living at that time and from amongst those who were living at that time was Asma bint Abi Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anha and she is the mother of Abdullah ibn Zubair and when he was considering to surrender she was the one who told him not to surrender that after many of his people were killed in defending him how could he then surrender so he was killed in Mecca in the sacred masjid by the armies from Iraq and the authority of the Khilafah was taken by Abdul Malik Ibn Marwan and many of the Sahaba who were living at that time once he was and he had taken full authority over the affairs of the Muslims then he was accepted as the Khalifa and he was obeyed even though his authority was taken by force and this is very important for us to keep in mind so that we will not imagine that a person who came into authority amongst the Muslims and actually had control over the affairs of the Muslims that because he came by force that we, we have the right to reject him or to disobey him but as long as he doesn't order or command the people in disobedience to Allah then he has to be obeyed this is the way of the people of Sunnah this is the way of Sahaba radiallahu anhu ajma'een and their understanding obviously came from the Prophet وسلم, who made us to know that whoever has been placed in authority amongst us that he must be obeyed here the Shaykh talks about the hukum or the ruling of obeying the Khalifa he says that obedience to the Khalifa or anyone else from amongst those who have some authority over the affairs of the Muslims on whatever level whether he is the Khalifa or a governor or any person who has been given some aspect of authority over the Muslims that obedience to that person is wajib, is obligatory as long as it is not in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 59 Ya ayuhal ladheena amanu atiyu Allah wa atiyu al-rasul wa ulil amri minkum so you who believe obey Allah and obey the messenger and those in authority from amongst you and as the scholars of tafsir said it is important to note here that obedience to Allah and obedience to the messenger of Allah are clear and specified in the ayat Ya ayuhaladheena amanu atiyu Allah wa atiyu al-rasul as for obedience to those in authority it is uh, connected to obedience to Allah and his messenger without the command form being used specifically in the verse but it is coupled by a connective uh, particle and also those in authority from amongst you and you obey them also but obedience to them is subject to obedience to Allah and his messenger and that's why obedience to them it has to be in those things that are not in disobedience to Allah 
Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in this verse, that's what makes it clear to us that this is the correct understanding. وَإِن تَنَازَعَتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُ That if you differ in any matter, then refer it back to Allah and His Messenger. That means that whenever there is difference amongst the people in general, and especially if the rulers order us to do something and we feel that it is in disobedience to Allah, then the reference of obedience goes back to Allah and His Messenger. If you differ in any matter, then refer it back to Allah and His Messenger, meaning refer it back to the Qur'an and the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Also, what makes us to understand the obligation of obedience to those in authority is the saying of the Prophet reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim muttafaqun alayhi on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar anhumah, may Allah be pleased with him and his father he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said as-sam'u wa ta'atu ala al-Muslim fima ahabba wa kariha ma lam yu'mar bima'asiyatin fa'idha umira bima'asiyatin fala sam'a wa la ta'ata that as-sam'a it is hearing and obeying is obligatory on the Muslim in that which he loves and that which he hates. In that which you are pleased with and that which you are not pleased with, whether you like it or not. Hearing and obeying is obligatory on you. In that which you are pleased with or that which you love as well as that which you do not like. With the condition, malam yu'mar bima'asiyatin, as long as you are not commanded to do an act of disobedience to Allah, and those in authority must be obeyed. But if you are ordered to commit an act of disobedience to Allah, in that case, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Faida umira bima'asiyatin, fala sama'a, wala ta'ata." Then there is absolutely no hearing and no obeying. I mean, we don't hear or obey. If the ruler orders us. Or any person in authority orders us to do an act of disobedience to Allah, there's no hearing or obeying them. Here, the Shaykh says, this is applicable whether the Imam is righteous, fulfilling the commands of Allah, doing what Allah has ordered him to do, and avoiding what Allah has prohibited. Or if the Imam is fajir, unrighteous. Here, he said, this is based on the saying of the Prophet وسلم, as reported by Auf ibn Malik anhu, and it is recorded in the Sahih of Muslim. The Prophet وسلم, said, that obedience to the ruler, it is obligatory. Except the one who someone has been placed in authority over him. And he sees that person doing some act of disobedience to Allah. Then he must hate what he sees of disobedience to Allah. He must hate the acts of disobedience that he sees. But he must not hold back his hand from obedience to the ruler. If the ruler is using drugs, drinking alcohol, committing zina, fornication, and we know about it, we saw it or we heard about it, we should hate the acts of disobedience, but we are not allowed. We are not allowed to hold back our hand of obedience, obedience to the ruler and that which is in accordance with 
the laws of Allah as long as they don't order us to do something of disobedience. Here the Shaykh says that Al-Hajj pilgrimage and Al-Jihad along with the Imams, the leaders of the Muslims is continuous and to be executed and likewise Salat al-Jum'ah, the, the weekly congregational prayer behind them it is permissible no matter whether those Imams are books no matter whether those Imams are the righteous or of the righteous or of the unrighteous and this is because opposing them uh, in what in these things in Hajj and Jihad and Salat and things like this opposing them this necessarily brings about division of the Muslims and rebellion against the rulers and dividing the Muslims and rebelling against the rulers is forbidden therefore we are expected to stand behind the Imam in whatever they do of good in Hajj and Jihad and Salat all of these things are good and this was a very beautiful point of wisdom from Uthman ibn Affan anhu, when he was the Khalifa of the Muslims and he was surrounded by those ignorant rebellious people who came from outside of Medina under the influence of the enemies of Islam and they had been deceived to rebel against Uthman though he was one of the closest companions of the Prophet he was one of the Khulaf al-Rashidin that the Prophet prophesied and predicted that he would be of those people who would come after him and that we must obey them he said alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al-Khulaf al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin al-Ba'di that it is obligatory on you to follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided Khalifas who will come after me and from amongst them is Abu Bakr al-Umar al-Uthman al-Ali radiallahu anhum ajma'in it was Uthman who was surrounded by the enemies the rebellious ignorant people who didn't have knowledge of the deen who thought that corruption had spread under his authority in some of the Muslim lands and therefore he should be removed by force which is against the way of Sahaba and against the guidance of the Prophet and the instruction of Quran some of the people came to Uthman some of the close Sahaba they came to him and said shall we stand behind you take up arms and fight against them we are ready they are leading us in prayer these ignorant rebellious people and Uthman radiallahu anhu he forbid them from taking up arms but he was patient and he told them that if they are leading the prayers follow them follow them in that which they are doing of good and not in that which they are doing of evil so even though those people were the people who rebelled against him and those are the people who eventually killed him but as long as they are doing good whoever has authority and that authority was the authority that they had taken by force to lead the prayers it was the right of the Khalifa Uthman but he was surrounded in his house and those people took the authority that didn't belong to them and yet he told them follow them in the prayers because prayers are deeds of righteousness so follow them in that which is good and not in that which is evil uh, then the shaykh actually goes back to a previous point that was discussed in the lecture the previous lecture he mentions the hadith which Imam Ibn Qudama mentions that there are three things from the fundamentals of Iman and he says that that hadith is da'if as we mentioned last week it is an unauthentic hadith and Al-Imam Al-Suyuti the great scholar from Egypt uh, Jalaluddin Suyuti rahimahullah in his book Al-Jami Al-Saghir mentions that hadith and he alluded to the weakness of that hadith and he mentions that one of the narrators one of the narrators of that hadith he is Majhul and we talked about this in detail in the previous lecture 
And he says, from amongst those three, those things that are mentioned uh, in that hadith, one of them is holding back from causing any harm to the one who says, La ilaha illallah. And he's not causing harm to the Muslims. And the second of them is jihad. And the third of them is having faith in al-qadr al-qadr. Concerning jihad, and that's the point related to the Khilafah, he said that jihad is continuous from the time. The Prophet said, from the time that Allah raised me up, and he's given me the prophethood, until the last one from amongst my ummah fights against Dajjal, and it will not be eliminated or invalidated, neither by the oppression or wrongdoing of an oppressor, nor the justice of a just one. And meaning that the ruler, whether he is just or unjust, <coughs> he should be should be followed and obeyed. Then the, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen says that rebellion against the Imam is haram, is forbidden. Rebelling against the Imam, the leader of the Muslims, is forbidden. And one of the proofs of this is the hadith muttafaqun alayhi reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Ibad Ubadah ibn al-Samit radiallahu anhu who said after some of the people came to him while he was sick some people came to Ubadah ibn al-Samit radiallahu anhu and asked him to narrate to us something a hadith that you heard from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he narrated to them this hadith Bayana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam على السمع والطاعة that the Prophet ﷺ took the oath of allegiance from us to hear and obey to hear and obey the rulers <coughs> and he said this is this hearing and obeying في من شاطنا ومكرهنا when we are active and able and when we are weak or tired or in that which we dislike. وَعُسْرِنَا وَيُسْرِنَا In difficulty as well as in ease. وَأَثْرَةٍ عَلَيْنَا And also <coughs> when the rulers are those who give preference to themselves over the people. يعني taking their rights but not giving the people their rights. وَأَثْرَةٍ عَلَيْنَا When the rulers give preference to themselves. Taking all of their rights but not giving the people their rights. He said that we took or the Prophet ﷺ took allegiance from us to hear and obey in the time when we are able or active and when we are tired or in that which we dis- dislike in that which is difficulty in difficulty as well as in ease and even when the rulers give preference to themselves over us and in not giving us our rights وَأَن لَا نُنَازِعَ الْأَمْرَ أَهْلَهُ وَأَهْلِهِ إِلَّا أَن تَرَوْ كُفْرًا بَوَاحًا عِنْدَكُمْ فِيهِ Min Allah, Burhan. Yani, and this is the important point of the hadith of Ibad. He said that the Prophet ﷺ took allegiance from them that they should not contest or fight against uh, the authority of the one who has been given authority. And la tunazia al amra ahlahu. Yani, the person who has been given authority over the Muslims, we should not contest him. We should not oppose him or fight against him. Except in one condition, إِلَّا أَن تَرَوْ كُفْرًا بَوَاحًا أَنَّكُمْ فِيهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ بُرْحَانٌ Except in the case where the ruler has displayed openly clear kufr, disbelief, 
and the people have a proof from Allah, a clear evidence from the Sharia, from the Quran and Sunnah of that person's kufr, clear kufr. And of course we know that kufr, it is a matter that uh, is not based on a particular action, simply that someone does an action or an act of disbelief and therefore we declare them to be a kafir. But as we discussed related to the matters of takfir, that the declaration of the kufr of someone, it is the right and responsibility of the scholars of the Muslim Ummah, not for the common people. And it should be after full يعني, determination of the fact that the person has done something which is in fact an act that takes the person out of Islam and they have done it knowingly, not out of ignorance and willingly, not out of compulsion or for some other reason. But if there is a clear proof from Allah of the disbelief of the ruler, then in that case the ruler should be removed because the kafir is not allowed to be an authority over the Muslims. But an unrighteous ruler is not to be rebelled against. This is the uh, hadith in which uh, it is made clear, for it is one of the many hadith in which it is made clear that we should not contest or fight against the ruler except in the case where the ruler is a kafir or he goes out of Islam. Also, the hadith reported by Imam Muslim on the authority of Abdul ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and he predicted that this would happen and now we see it today, يَكُونُ عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَرَا تَعْرِفُونَ وَتُنْكِرُونَ فَمَنْ أَنْكَرَ Yani that you will have in the future, there will be over you those rulers, umara, who you will be in agreement with some of their actions and you will be in disagreement with some of their actions. Yani you will accept some of their deeds to be good and you will reject some of their deeds because they will be evil. That there will come a time when there will be rulers like this. Some of what they do will be acceptable and some of what they do will be rejected. It will be evil. فَمَنْ أَنْكَرَ فَكَدْ بَرِحَا So whoever speaks against it or acts against it or rejects it, then that person is free of blame. Whoever rejects it is free of blame. وَمَنْ كَرِحَا فَقَدْ سَلِمَا And whoever hates it in their heart, at least, if they cannot speak out against it or say anything against it or do anything against it, then at least they hate it in their heart and that person is also safe. The one who أَنْكَرَا or the one who كَرِحَا Either the one who rejects it or the one who even if they hide the hatred in their heart, but they don't accept it and they are not pleased with it, then they will be safe. وَلَكِنْ مَنْ رَضِيَ وَتَابَعَ But as for the one who is pleased with the evil of the ruler and who follows in the footsteps of the ruler, who accepts and participates The companions of the Prophet said, قالوا, Should we not fight against them? Yani those rulers who we see evil in them, shouldn't we fight against them? Shouldn't we oppose them? Shouldn't we kill them and remove them? The Prophet said, قال, لا ما صلوا. لا ما صلوا. No, you are not allowed to fight against them. Even though they are doing evil, that you should reject and that you should hate. But you are not allowed to fight against them, to rebel against them, masallu, as long as they perform the prayers. No, you are not allowed to fight against them as long as they perform the prayers. That means that as long as the ruler is implementing 
Islam, yani enacting the prayers or performing the prayers, and he should not be rebelled against or fought against. But his actions of evil should be rejected, and it should be hated. As long as the person rejects it or hates it in their heart, then they are free of blame. This hadith is reported by Al-Imam Muslim in the chapter concerning Al-Imara, or authority. Uh, then the Shaykh says, and this is the last point that he makes here, that of the benefits that we get from these two hadith, one of the benefits from these two hadith is that the one who abandons Salat has shown open kufr. Yani, the one who doesn't perform the prayers shows clear kufr. Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't allow the people to rebel against the Imams except for kufr, clear kufr. And he has made the prohi- prohibitive factor in fighting against the Imams the fact that they perform prayer. As long as they perform prayer, you cannot fight against them. So this indicates that if you are allowed to fight against them for abandoning prayer, and the only way you can fight against the rulers is for kufr, then abandoning prayer is an act of kufr, an act of disbelief. This is the end of what the Shaykh says, and this is where we'll stop at. Uh, does somebody have the time? 7 o'clock? How much time is remaining before the Adhan? Okay, let's take a few moments before we take questions, just to uh, take a few further steps, Danny, or a few points related to the, this uh, topic that we are dealing with. And these points, there are many, but a few of them, I want to just take a few moments to read to you, are from the essay of Sheikh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, uh, a brief rule related to the obligation of obedience to Allah and obedience to His Messenger and obedience to those who are in authority amongst the Muslims. Uh, Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal says concerning this issue that this is the way, the madhahib of Ahlul Ilm it is the way of the people of knowledge and the people of Sunnah, Ashab Al-Akhr uh, and that the people of Sunnah are holding to this way those people who are known for the Sunnah are holding this way and following this way and that is those from amongst the companions of the Prophet ﷺ up until the people of this day yani meaning up until the time of Imam Ahmed who died in the middle of the 3rd century after the Hijra uh, and he says that I found from amongst the scholars from the people of Hijaz, yani Mecca and Medina, Asham, which is Palestine and Syria and those countries, and other countries. I found all of the scholars in the different lands of the Muslims following this way. So whoever opposes this way, this madhab or this way, then, or doubts in it, or makes false accusations against those who follow this way, then these people are the people of innovation. And these people have gone outside of the way of the jama'ah, and they have gone against the way of sunnah and the way of truth. Yani, whoever thinks that rebelling against the rulers is correct, then they have actually opposed the way of sunnah and they have opposed the way of the sahaba and those who followed their way. Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, the author of the Sahih al-Bukhari, he says that I met more than 1,000 laqeetu akthar min alf rajul 
من أحلى العلم. I met more than 1,000 of the scholars. الإمام البخاري. He said I met more than 1,000 of the scholars from the people of Hijaz, the people of Mecca, Medina, Kufa, Basra, Wasita, Baghdad, Sham, Misr. And he went on to mention the countries where he met the scholars that he traveled to. And he mentioned a whole group of them and he said, ما رأيت واحدا منهم يختلف في هذه الأشياء. He said, I didn't find one of them differing in these things. And he mentioned a number of things that all of the scholars in all the lands agreed upon. And amongst those things that he mentioned, وَأَن لَا تُنَازِعُ الْأَمْرَ أَهْلَهُ يعني that, that is, that no one should oppose or fight against the, the one who has been placed in authority. Uh, and then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, أَفِيُّ اللَّهُ وَأَفِيُّ الرَّسُولُ وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 59, Obey Allah, Obey the Messenger, and those in authority from amongst you. Uh, and also, he mentions a number of other scholars who said, who made similar statements to this. Then he's showing that the way of Ahl al-Sunni al-Jama'ah, it is the way of obedience to the ruler. In order not to cause chaos and confusion in the Muslim land, there has to be someone in authority. From amongst the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Shaykh Hussain ibn Taymiyyah mentions uh, but before that there's an example here that took place in the time of Shaykh Hussain ibn Taymiyyah and that was in the time when the rulers had many shortcomings and much corruption had spread in the land and it was well known. In fact, Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he was punished by those authorities, those people who were in authority in that time because he refused to agree to the false belief that was being propagated by some deviant people uh, concerning the creation of Qur'an. Yani they believed that the Qur'an was a created thing. And we know that the belief of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah is that the Qur'an is Kalamullah, Ghayr makhluq That the Qur'an is the speech of Allah, it is not created. So Shaykh al Taymiyyah refused to accept these ideas and because of that he was, he was imprisoned and he was also persecuted and punished. In spite of that, he was very severe in warning the people against rebelling against those in authority or holding back their hand from obedience to them. And he said that whoever rebels against authority, authorities it will only lead to corruption and more harm greater than that evil or corruption that we found uh, being done by the rulers. From amongst the hadith of the Prophet concerning this matter, and there are many as I said, uh, is the saying of the Prophet recorded in Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Abdul ibn Mas'ud, إِنَّهَا تَكُونُ بَعْدِ أَثَرَةٌ وَأُمُورٌ تُنْكِرُونَ That they will be after me, those who give preference to themselves, and many things which you would dislike or hate. قَالُوا يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ كَيْفَ تَأْمُرُوا مَنْ أَدْرَكَ مِنَّ ذَلِكَ What do you order those who found themselves living in that time? when the leaders will give preference to themselves and hold back the rights of the people and evil will be spread amongst them, what do you order us to do? He said, to addona al-haq alladhi alaykum wa tasaluna Allah alladhi lakum. These are the words of the Prophet ﷺ recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. To addona al-haq alladhi alaykum. 
Yani fulfill the rights that are upon you to the rulers. Whatever rights they have over you, fulfill them. وَتَسْعَلُونَ اللَّهَ الَّذِي لَكُمْ And if the rulers don't give you the, your rights, تَسْعَلُونَ اللَّهَ الَّذِي لَكُمْ Ask Allah for the rights that belong to you. If the rulers give preference to themselves, then fulfill their rights. Obey them. And whatever rights they hold back from you, ask for your rights from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah will recompense you. Whatever has been denied you. Also, the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, <coughs> concerning this matter uh, is the hadith in which is reported in Sahih Muslim. He said, Isma'u wa'ati'u fa'innama alayhim ma'humilu wa'alaykum ma'humiltum. Isma'u wa'ati'u. Hear the orders of the rulers. Wa'ati'u and obey them. Fa'innama alayhim ma'humilu. Because whatever they have been held responsible for, whatever responsibility they have been given, they will answer for it. It is their responsibility to answer to Allah. If they fall short in it, you are not responsible. But it is upon them to answer. وَعَلَيْكُمْ مَا حُمِّلْتُمْ And you will be responsible for what authority or responsibility has been given to you. Yani the authority that has been given to the rulers, if they don't fulfill it, they will be questioned by Allah. And the responsibility that has been given to you is what you will be questioned about. Uh, and the hadith concerning this are many, just, these are just a few of them. And in closing, I mentioned uh, a statement or I mean, an incident that took place in America. One of the scholars, uh, Sheikh Adil Al-Kalbani, one of the famous reciters of Quran, uh, we went to visit him on a number of occasions and once while we were sitting with him, he discussed with us his trip to America. And he gave many lectures in different masjids. And when he used to go to different masjids, he used to ask the people about what are the problems of the people in that community so that he can address it. The problem in one of the communities was the people, all they talked about was the wrongdoing and the shortcoming and the oppression and the sin and corruption of the rulers. That's all they could think about. The rulers are corrupt, the rulers are bad, the rulers are evil. So he gave a lecture about zulm, about oppression and wrongdoing. And he talked about every type of zulm that you can find mentioned in the Quran and Sunnah. But he didn't mention the zulm of the rulers. So in the end of the lecture, he said, are there any questions? And the first person stood up and said, yes, you talked about zulm, oppression, wrongdoing, so many types, but why you didn't mention the oppression of the rulers? He said, the oppression and wrongdoing of the rulers, they will be asked about it on Yom Qiyamah. You will not be asked about their wrongdoing. But the wrongdoing that you will be asked about is the wrongdoing of yourselves. So attend to your own shortcomings and don't worry about those who you have no authority over and those who you will not be questioned about. And this is a good piece of wisdom for us. Don't be concerned so much about the wrongdoing that you have seen or you came to know or you heard about of the rulers. Whatever wrongdoing they have done, know for sure. It is all being recorded and they will be asked about it and called to account. But what we should be worried about is our own wrongdoing, our own shortcoming and our own acts of disobedience that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question us about on Yom Qiyamah. And for the wrongdoing of the rulers, we have no authority over them. Allah will call them to account. But what we have authority over is what we will be asked about. That is ourselves and our families and those who are under our authority. This is what we should concentrate upon and this is what we should be worried about. As for the wrongdoing of the rulers, we should reject it and we should hate it in our hearts and leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is capable and well able to call them to account. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If there are any comments or corrections or questions, uh, I don't know, has the adhan been called?
Matthias, okay. We'll take a few moments if there are any questions. Please. Now, tafadda Judgment in terms of the Islamic law or the punishment or what is the ruling Islamically concerning this? against another. 
But for us to do so, it is better to avoid it. Because inevitably, when you read the history of these things, you will find that you will be taking sides with one of them, and you will remain in your heart some distaste, or some enmity, or dislike for another of them. And it is not right to have any distaste or dislike for any of the companions of the Prophet And we prayed that Allah remove from our hearts any ill feeling for those who those who came before us in Iman that means first and foremost Sahaba and then those who came after them so we should try to avoid the discussion of any matter that might create or activate or enliven any ill feeling against any of companions of the Prophet and especially Muawiyah as we said he is the brother of one of the wives of the Messenger of Allah he is the recorder of revelation in time of the Prophet He was selected to be one of those who used to write down the Qur'an as it was revealed. And he is Sahaba. And he is also one of the Khalifa rulers of the Muslims for more than 20 years. He was the undisputed ruler of the Muslims, of the whole Muslim Ummah. Not of a small state like we have today with a few thousand people. He was the ruler of the whole Muslim Ummah and including Sahaba who were living in that time and he was accepted by them, and respected by them, and obeyed by them. How then can we have any ill feeling for such a man, who Allah is pleased with, and the Prophet was pleased with, and Sahaba was pleased with? If there was any difference, or misunderstanding amongst them, it's not for us to judge in those matters, but it's better for us to avoid it. It's better for us not even to talk about it. This is really the minhaj of the people of Sunnah, not even to discuss such matters. But if we discuss it, it should be in the proper framework, and that is difficult for people like ourselves because we are quick to take sides and once you take sides with one you will be against the other and this is what we want to avoid so I hope uh, it is sufficient inshallah the, the Quraysh have the right of Khilafah it is so but some of the scholars said that if a time came when there was no suitable person from amongst the Quraysh then the dust of the Muslims would be selected by the Ahlul Hal that means the people who are known to have influence and authority and respect amongst the Muslim community and those who have positions of authority or trust in the Muslim community those people should come together and they should select the best of the people from the Muslims of that time to be the Khalifa of the Muslims but the first right of Khilafah is to the Quraysh it is reported authentically in the Hadith of the Prophet وسلم, that the Khilafah it is the right of Quraysh It is permissible to have more than one Khalifa? No, it's not permissible to have more than one Khalifa. Uh, and actually, if such a thing should happen, then uh, one of them should be removed. In any case, in any case, if it should happen that there is more than one Khalifa, then uh, the one who asks for or tries to take authority, if before they actually reach the position of authority, the people should resist. If there is already a Khalifa, the people should resist anyone trying to take the authority. But if they actually succeeded in taking the authority and overcame the previous one, then it is not our right to oppose them at that point. No, it's not permissible to be two Khalifas in two different places. The Muslim Ummah is one Ummah. But what we may have, we may have rulers, as we find now 30 or 40 or 50 so-called Muslim countries, and everyone has its own ruler, but they are not Khalifa. They are not the Khalifa. The Khalifa is the one who has authority over the whole of the Muslim Ummah. 
In any case, uh, just quickly, I forget the questions at the end of the handout which you are required to answer, but quickly we can look at them. Number one, is it obligatory to obey the Muslim ruler even if he is an unrighteous person? Yes, we, we obey the ruler whether he is righteous or unrighteous. What should you do if you are ordered by the ruler to do something sinful? We don't, huh? Disobey. <laughs> we neither hear nor obey. Don't hear him, nor obey him. If someone takes authority by force, should the people rise up and rebel against him? Yani yeah, once they came, became the ruler and actually took control over the state, then we should not rise up and rebel against them, but we should cooperate them in good, with them in good, and not obey them in wrong. What are the ways in which a ruler might attain authority in the Muslim society? There are three. One, by specific appointment by the previous Khalifa. The second, by committee of the influential and people of authority in the Muslim Ummah, whether they have been appointed or not. And the third is by force. Give an example of a Khalifa who attained authority in each of the above ways. Who was, who was appointed directly? It was Umar bin Khattab Who was selected by a committee? Ali was selected by a committee who were not appointed by the previous Khalifa. And so, according to some of the scholars, Abu Bakr. What about who was selected by a committee that was appointed? Huh? Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu. He was appointed by a committee that was set up by Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu before his death. And the fourth, taking over of authority? Huh? Abdul Malik ibn Marwan. Now. Okay, this is the end of what we want to cover today. Inshallah, we should have two lectures remaining, dealing with two subjects. One, the... One of them is the people of Bid'ah and what is our relationship to them and the other one is dealing with differences of opinion amongst the scholars of the Madahib in secondary matters, in jurisprudence, in fiqh, not in aqidah and what is our role, our position concerning them, should we blindly follow them or should we uh, look at their evidences. These are the last um, topics that we will be discussing inshallah. And then we'll finish the book, after that we'll have as quick as possible we'll have a review and then we'll have examination. And whoever has to travel before that, uh, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shabanda ilaha illa anta, fakfurka wa tuba ilik.